Welcome to Making It Personal, Connections with Baker University. Today, in our inaugural episode, we are blessed with the guests of all guests, our president, Dr. Lynn Murray. Lynn, welcome. Well, thank you, Nate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Excited? New uh, things? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a great year, so I'm, I'm glad to be one of the first guests that you've invited. Uh, no, not one of the the first guest. I hope, I hope I can live up to your expectations. <laughs> my, my, the boss is way above all of our <laughs> expectations. Let me share a little bit about Dr. Murray for those that are joining us for the first time, which would be everybody. Uh, Dr. Lynn Murray, the 29th president of Baker University. She has a PhD from Gallaudet, a master's from Johns Hopkins, a BA from St. Mary's, married to the diminutive Jeff, Arsenal fan. We have to have that shout out with son Christopher. <laughs> That's exactly right. Excellent. So with all of that experience in, in entering your ninth year at Baker University, how, how do you see things? How are things going? Things are going great. I have to tell you, and you were side by side with me living through the last three years. So putting the pandemic behind us and the recovery that happened immediately after, I just... There's, there's a vibe on campus. There's a real momentum and an energy. It's hard to explain. You really have to feel it, but you feel it throughout, from faculty to the coaches. Um, it's, it feels really good, so I'm enthusiastic and I'm optimistic. It's like people have come out of their shell, right? Like we're finally reemerging. Do, do you get that sense? I do. I do. I think they're coming out of their shell. They're much more comfortable, and you'll see it in the events that we host or in, in the – even even at the football games and the number of people that are coming out to attend, definitely different than it has been in, you know, at least the last two years. I, I, I think you're right. You know, when we had that sellout for that first game, uh, we had the we had the football game and then we had invocation where we had a very passionate, you know, crowd, all our students out there, the faculty together, you know, dance teams performing, all of it, the new facility, all the things I think you know, you've helped Baker reveal itself so much. Well, I appreciate it, but I could never have done it without, you know, people like you, uh, Susan Decker, uh, Darcy Russell, the faculty, the members on the front line, Cassie Bailey, um, they really keep us going. And there, it's so wonderful to have these great minds around the table determining what the future looks like. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the board members who give so much of themselves to us. And we could name all... 24 of them. <laughs> I almost forgot. But we won't do it here. But, but you know, it really is, when we talk about Baker and what makes it special, it's all of these people giving it everything we've got. That, I think that's part of what makes Baker special. Well, it, you know, that, that brings me to a conversation you and I had. We, we talked, and I asked you the question, and, I th and you asked it back to me, you know, fairly. You said, you know, what, what makes us different? What makes us special? And it really was the people. That's it. And, you know, it sounds trite or maybe it sounds so convenient, but honest to gosh, it's good people doing great things and almost recharging our own energy by the people that we're with and then just passing it along to another generation as well. Right. And so we influence these students, whether we're in the classrooms, we influence each other in decisions we make or directions we decide to take. And I think just because of who we are, 
it's so special what we do together, right? So you mentioned Howard Hall. So who would have thought that an alumnus from North Carolina um, and her family, whom we didn't know very well, would be so inspired by what we're trying to do here in our new programs in applied public health that they would want to give us their wealth and to invest in us to make it happen. We didn't know them three years ago, right? And now we have the new Howard Hall. I, I think you hit on something, right? It's it's that connection with Baker that never goes away. You know, That's uh, right. in, in your time over these these nine years, mm-hmm. you know, as as you've met folks, what's been your your guiding light? You know, as as you've moved and first introduced yourself to everybody, and then you know, kind of organized everyone. I mean, let let's not forget that you led a forty one million dollar fundraising campaign for the university and have have made all things possible, and and then you know, COVID. And then now a rebirth. You know, what, what, what is that, that little piece of you inside that drives you? Well, and I appreciate the, the, the term rebirth, right? Because it is. It's coming out of something. Forever Orange was just an amazing feat. When I came into Baker University with a fundraising background and I studied, you know, is it possible? How much can we raise? Nothing said $41 million. The, the science <laughs> said the data, you know, our board members are saying, use the data. I used the data. It was a solid $20 million. Um, But then people, they really spoke up. They spoke up with their financial support. And they gave what they had and more. And they introduced us to still others that we hadn't known about. And so for, for me, that was a huge achievement. And when I can look at the young people coming in and, and their parents and say, no, I've raised, we have raised $11 million in scholarships to make this affordable, it means something, right? When we can look at the young athletes and say to them, yes, these fields are brand new. You don't have to use the, what were they, the... The latrines oh. out back, right? <laughs> like yeah, we have indoor facilities now for our softball and baseball teams. Or when you see uh, Joanne Jansen and the primary texts and these new chairs we were able to create, it's good stuff. So then the pandemic kind of halted. It didn't halt, uh, as we know, it didn't halt what we were doing. It just changed it. So instead of building for the future, we were dealing with how am I going to teach 900 kids without the safety precautions, without the guidelines, you know, we built six outdoor classrooms. I say built, very loose. (laughs) And I say classrooms (laughs) even more loosely, right? But we made it happen. Well, it it almost forces us to go back to the original uh, Methodist ministers, right? We're just gathering out here on the plains, and we are educating the (laughs) young people. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I feel so bad. Um, as we were working it out, um, our IT staff and our faculty, you know, I would go into the classrooms and they would have students spaced apart and, you know, barely their technology with a microphone on that you couldn't hear and just trying to make it work. I, I don't know that anybody other than those of us who lived in it in education can really um, – describe for others just how challenging it was. And so we did shift. And for two or three years, we were dealing with what what was right in front of us. So what's beautiful about now is that in this rebirth, as you mentioned, it's dreaming again. It's really like looking to the future and saying, now, where were we? (laughs) For sure. You know, as 
you're from the East Coast, I'm from the West Coast, and yeah. I, I feel like we're part of the pioneer spirit again as we're looking forward and exploring all the new things that are, that are coming to schools. Yeah, and you mentioned connections, and you couldn't be more right. So whether they're board members and um, running national companies who are informing us about industry needs and about market demands um, and where we should build out curricula, um, to getting them together with our faculty members and their willingness to sit with us, right? And so they sit with our faculty members. They talk about what we need. We talk about what we've got and where the gap is. It's, it's just been wonderful to witness. And it's all because of those connections and the caring nature of the people at Baker, right? People want to help. And so you'll see some new programs launched in the next 12 months um, because of our alumni connections and because of the dedication of our faculty. You know, as, as I listen to you, I, I hear your ability to connect, your ability to meet those successful people, right? You, you've talked about alums that are running billion-dollar companies, mm -hmm. and, and they're coming to you saying, this is what we see, this is what we can do. I, I want to I ask you, where, where did that strength to be in that room come from, to, to stand with those folks? Because as you imagine, sharks respect sharks. Right? There aren't any minnows. What are you in implying there. here? <laughs> uh, strength only. <laughs> no. Well, I think, I think it's because there's that common thread that binds us. So no matter what position we hold or or how much money we have, it's more about what our life work is about. I think I connect to them on that level. And as you said, they have a passion for Baker. They also have a passion for the next generation. It truly is there. And so, you know, I, when I think about the rooms that I'm in with them and, you know, speaking with them, it's more about helping them um, to really connect to the future and with their legacies. And I, that's so easy for me to do. And I was at a conference just a couple of days ago, and we were meeting with independent colleges across campus. And let me tell you, the future is going to be tough. I think in healthcare and in education, these headwinds are strong headwinds. It's going to take our community to stand and rally behind us. There's nothing more than, that I want than a large endowment, large enough so that Baker University, I can be guaranteed it will exist in the future, right? Um, so it, it matters, and financial support matters. Uh, but we can't lose sight of our true mission, and that's to educate these young people. You, when, when you speak, obviously now it, it's easy to understand, you know, when, when, when you're here and you're listening, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is not from, uh, please let me hang out more. This is, this is from a, an alum, you know, saying this, that, you know, it, it, is, it is that strength that you bring to that conversation. It's not a, I'm not sure. It's a, no, I know the way. It is truly, you know, spoken from a voice of, of, of forward, right? Understanding the, the ground and moving forward rather than, oh, I'm not quite sure. We're going to try a thousand things. You know, you've been very resolute, you know, putting the army together and, 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 and getting the right soldiers in the right places. Is that, was that born out of something in your past and upbringing? Is that, or, or is it just something that you see that we need and that you do? Uh, great, great question. I, I'm going to think about that. For I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think the experience in education over the years and learning from some great presidents, some great um, vice presidents for enrollment and for 
uh, fundraising and advancement. I, I've taken a lot from that, right? And, and so I know what we need to do to secure our future. Um, so you have that, and then you have the way that I was raised or what I value. And, and so some of the values for me include uh, just hard work, right? I, I Say no more. I mean, showing up is half of it. And I think during the pandemic, it was almost 90% of it, right? You show up, you don't give up, you keep going, you, you find the course, you chart the course if you have to. And so I think that's, that's something that I grew up with. The other thing that I have just an affinity for, and I would say to anyone who wanted to advance in higher ed, who wanted to actually be a president, is you have got to believe in the young people that you serve and recognize this is a service job. This is a job where you want to teach them the values and impart your knowledge and help them to grow into the leaders we will need them to be. That's that's what keeps me going every day. Well, it, as a servant leader, right? I mean, it, which clearly is what you're describing and what you're doing. You, you know, I, I, I look back, right, and, and I think about the beginnings that we know at PBS where you are, I mean, when you talk about people who are giving and people you know, for the, the grace of giving, you know, how, how is that in, in, in those lessons? Do you lean into those as a president of a university? Is Absolutely. That? I think the time at PBS, it taught me so many things. Um, it, th- those are stories over cocktails at a, at, on another day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the best stories, I was a producer and so, um, I shouldn't say this out loud on a public uh, forum, but if you could find those old tapes where I actually had to go on air, <laughs> you'd see how horrible I was. But what did I learn from all of that, right? So I learned to be prepared, and I learned to um, to be a jack-of-all-trades, if you will. I, I guess you could also say, like, never being afraid to do whatever work is necessary, whatever that is, right? And, and I think that's part of the production end of PBS. And I think the philanthropic end is just, you know, witnessing not only the people whom you're assisting and their gratitude, but really the people who are just able and willing to give of themselves so much, to believe in something and give that. It's just, it's touching to me. And it does remind me of, you know, the Methodist roots at Baker, you know, and kind of takes me back to um, that that faith that we have, right, in the common good. I, so, you know, as, as, we, as we think about that fearlessness, right, when you get into helping others, you, you, had, you were telling us a, a story a little bit earlier about hurricane victims and, and really being willing to get out into there and, and expose what's going on, you know, and, and how that may have changed, you know, missions and whatnot. How do you translate that into a message for young people today? How, how do you say leap? It's okay. Right. I think do the right thing. I think it's amazing what will happen when you choose to do the right thing. And so we were, I remember it was in Miami, Hurricane Andrew was coming. We were doing our job at PBS. We were raising money for that PBS station. And, um, and then we just saw the community devastated and a producer. I wasn't a producer at that time. Um, I think I was an assistant producer. And a producer and vice president, they had the team right there. We were just talking. And so many of our family and friends had been affected in that moment, they said, what are we doing? Why are we raising money for 
public television when they don't even have water five miles down the road. And, and like this, we started producing and asking people to give money, put up a phone number, call us, let's get the, the funds where they need to be for who needs help the most. And it was magical in that suddenly we had the attention of a national audience. And we had all the national um, PBS shows, the Ken Burns, the like famous people. Um, then we had corporate sponsors, McDonald's, everybody come and say, what, what do you need? How can we help? So we were able to mobilize so much more and get so much more help there. It truly was life changing. I will tell you as a as a as a as a baker alum, someone who's who's been fortunate enough to be a part of the community for a long time, you know, hearing that somebody like yourself who is ground zero with people, you know, getting through a hurricane, right? Yeah. It, it, it makes me think of a Frank Bizzagano who was at nine eleven and marched people out of Building Seven before it collapsed, and 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 part of that, and and the people who just make a difference when making a difference really, really matters. What right? a beautiful example. I mean, I can't think of anything more like that touches my heart when I think of Frank Bizzignano. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, a Baker grad, that's what he did. And he did it not because somebody directed him to do it. He did it because that's what needed to be done. Or I'm going to do it. He took the lead. Amazing, amazing just examples. And I bet across our community we could come up with um, some just truly monumental like stories of people doing just that. Absolutely, I, I want to ask you this, and and this is it's it's half a pivot, but I, you know, growing up on the East Coast, having worked out there most of your career, and then coming to the Midwest, you have a very different way of doing things. You know, as a West Coaster, my time in the Midwest, living on the East Coast, my mom's from New York City. These are. Very different environments. How? What have you enjoyed about getting to know the people here in the Midwest? Well, first I have to tell you, I'm going to tell a story. Um, do you remember Connie Deal? She worked in HR for yes. Baker for many years, so shout out to Connie Deal. She actually stopped me when I first got here, um, and she said, you know, um, I think your emails may be a little too abrupt. If you could just say good morning and hello first. <laughs> it's some of the best <laughs> advice I've ever received. But I think that's the biggest difference. I think on the East Coast, the pace seems a lot quicker. And I say seems because now that I am a Midwesterner, um, we don't work any slower. It's just what matters is different. And so getting to know people matters more here in terms of the daily, hey, how you doing? How's your wife? How are your children? Those kinds of things, I think, Nate. Um, at least that's been my experience. What do you think? No, I, I, I think you're right. I think there's a, there's a, there's a greater depth to, to what people want from you. Not that, yeah. not that, that, that I think everybody needs that greater depth, but I think you know, when you're on a coast, it is – you know, I'm moving, and, and, and there's almost a, you know, how, how far am I really going to, you know, travel down the road with you? Are, are you really in the car? And I think when you come out here, people are in the car. They're like, hey, we're going. Are you coming? Like, let's go. I want to go. It was the strangest help. thing. People would always offer me rides here. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like, we don't ride anywhere. First of all, we take uh, metro, you know, public, uh, public transportation <laughs> most of my life. I'm not used to driving with anyone. Carpooling? Are you? No. But but it is that. It, 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 it is a diff, different depth. I, I like how you explain that. I, you know, I, I saw it first at meals. 
you know, yeah. I, I, you know, it was, you go out, you talk with the people you're at, you're, you're, you're with. There it is. You come out here and people, hey, have you tried that? What is that? I like this. Oh my, let me tell you what you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Like you never know a stranger, right? Exactly. That's what I feel like. And I love the wave from the truck, you know, the... <laughs> I mean, I'm learning. I think I'm so cool now when I do that. <laughs> when I get to drive Jeff's truck, which isn't very often. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, high on the road up there. Do not mess around. <laughs> We're three seconds from East Coast, just so you know. <laughs> we go. The, so, the, you know, as, as you've embraced the people and, and whatnot, I know that finding time for yourself right as people are, are want to know more about you it almost and, and it felt this way for me that i almost recoil a little bit when i'm alone because you feel like you're always on it, right do you know do you remember do you, have you done those tests like all of us had to do tests back in the day again i'm dating myself um where you know you're an extrovert or you're a this you're that what i found is the more demands so I always thought I was an extrovert. If I took the test back in the day, that's what it was. But I think the more demands that you have to be out in public and on, the more that when you're alone, you do just want to be alone, right? And so recoil, yeah, you just just need some space to re-energize. It, 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 and I, I think that might be what people, you know, as, as, as they see the energy. I mean, you're larger than life. I mean, this, this isn't a, a platitude. This is like, when you come out, like, you're, you're present. You come in the room, and you, you run a room. Okay. But that's, I mean, there's a, the battery is, right? Well, is, you guys have seen, anybody who's worked <laughs> close with me knows when the battery needs to be recharged, right? We, well, we see the dogs. Here we go. <laughs> it's time. So speaking of that time, Right yeah. there's there's a rumor that you're an accomplished artist and that you may spend some time creating. Would I you do, like to share I do. That? So what people don't know, um, I was an English major. Like I, I, one of five girls, and my mother and father, when I was in college, said, "What are you gonna do with an English degree?" I mean, I remember these conversations. So when I got this job, I did. I said to my mom, "What do you think now about that English degree?" <laughs> This to say that don't ever undersell the value of a liberal arts education, right? It's so much more than the degree. So I, I used to read, and then the pandemic hit, and it was my favorite hobby. It's a cheap hobby. I mean, other people have more expensive hobbies, but for me, I just love to read, so I would read often. But during the pandemic, I couldn't focus, and so I had such a hard time reading. So I didn't have an escape. And so I don't know, you know, Jeff and I have known each other forever, and he knew I was struggling. And so he just found on some feed or something um, paint, like paint by numbers. I know it sounds crazy, especially, you know, to take up a, a hobby this late in life, but he got it for me just so that I would have a respite from all the things going on in my mind, and I loved it. And so I just started doing the paint by numbers, and it was wonderful. Have you ever done it? Not in a, not in a long time. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. No, it's wonderful when all you have to think about is where 12 is on a canvas. It's, it's wonderful. You could do it for hours. So, but, so I was doing it, and then it was Jeff, of course, who pushed and said, why? Why don't you start your own canvas? So he got me an easel. He got me a canvas, and, you know, in 2021, I started. So I love it. But I haven't had 
time to get formal training, so I don't know if I'm accomplished. I'm struggling. What do they call it? Are they struggling, starving <laughs> artists? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I mean, I'm, I'm only going to throw back it with a little bit of history at you. I don't think uh, Van Gogh, you know, had a teacher. I think he... Right. I have a vision, right? right? Monet has a vision. Monet has a vision. Well, Lynn Murray has YouTube. <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> but I do have a vision. But also, we're very blessed. I mean, just to learn it. And I, it is such, it is joyful. It, it is such a, like, uh, peace of mind for me just to do something that isn't um, work-related. Do you know what I mean? No, uh, well, 100%. I, I, I think... Your responsibilities, they are so broad and wide. And, and I think one of the things you know, people get, and I hope their hearing come through, is your concern for others, right? So when you leave the door, leave the house, your concern for everybody else is on. And that self-care, those self-care moments, right? And that you have somebody on the who recognizes that you... That's it. And I don't, I don't know if you know much about him, but he is an accomplished chef. So uh, when we're at home, he's cooking, I'm painting. Life is good. It's good. So before I let you go, I have three questions. Uh-oh. And this is our... Now, we, now our three, here we go. Three question right? segment. I think, you know, one is a layup. Right. The other two, you know, we're, we're going to ask you for some some realness here. OK. All right. What would you tell new gra- graduates to be prepared for in the world? Change. <laughs> there we go. I mean, I think to be prepared in this world, they they have to just be prepared for change. And I think they will be best served by the soft skills that higher ed is teaching them. What do I mean by that? The conflict negotiation. I mean, the collaboration these are things that they will need. And I feel very confident in whom we're graduating and that they will be able to do this. Um, but nothing's going to prepare you for some of the things that you and I have faced in our careers. It, and you've got to rely on those skills that were built over time. I, please, young people, listen to this, right? <laughs> and, and really, all of us listen. Change is, is the thing that doesn't change. It's the only predictable thing. That's right. right? That's right. Uh, all right. Easy one, perhaps. Carolina or Kansas City barbecue? Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, Kansas knows. City beef too. Like I had no, I had no idea till I moved moved to Kansas. So Kansas City all the way. All right, there we go. And then last one and open ended for you. What brings you joy? What brings me joy? Um, I would say the easy answer is. My husband, life with my husband, brings me great joy. I would also say what brings me joy, um, people, right? I get a lot of joy just from seeing how our lives intersect and how, you know, again, jointly what we can do together. And I guess simply travel, good food, right? Days off, that gives me joy. <laughs> Do you know what would give me greatest joy? If anyone wants to help me achieve the greatest joy, is an endowment large enough <laughs> to secure Baker's future? What, $100 million. That, that $1 is, billion. I, that's I'm, it. I'm here to be your agent of joy <laughs> as we go. Help me, help me. Um, no, but sincerely, what gives you joy, Nate? No. Throw I, it back at you. I, I, I think... Right now in life, right? I, I think you hit on it. First, my family, you know, when I, I having a daughter, the, the seeing her walk across the stage, yes. right? And the, 
seeing my son as a freshman uh, in class and, you know, that he's, that they embrace the Baker experience. Um, that I got married on campus, right? Yes. Um, but I would say what brings me joy is that Baker's provided me a life where I can make choices. Mm. That I, I have the resources, and, and I don't mean this money-wise, I mean this emotionally it, mm. that, yeah. you know, what I, I can see the things that I want to invest in, that I'm around people that help those investments. You know, this was an idea that I had somebody I know support and say that we could. We have Aston behind the camera. It's these kind of moments that Shout out me. to Aston, self-taught, doing this great work. But you're right, isn't this I mean, a great example? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- that brings me joy. And then the last part is the smell of the ocean. When I get to go home uh. and you get off the plane in San Diego and you can smell the ocean like that. Mm. Dr. Murray, thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun, Nate. I appreciate you being willing to share yourself with us, you know, and and, and take the president's hat and put on your shoulder. Not take it off and put it on your (laughs) shoulder. But I I, I think your willingness to to let everyone who sees this know that it is people behind all the things that are going on. It is – it's not a machine. It is – it is, it is personal, and it is That's the connections right. between all of us that, that really provide the strength for Baker and, and everything we you are. You know, so. it's something you and I said, um, gosh, in the midst of the pandemic. You know, there's nothing that we can't do together. There's nothing that we can't do. And so it, we've, we're proving it every day. So Absolutely. thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that concludes our first of many podcast sessions with Dr. Lynn Murray. Thank you. Thank you.